Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. Before I get to this week's topic, uh, as you know, <clears throat> the Compliance Podcast Network is always on the lookout for new podcasts. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast but didn't know how? Well, if you've thought about it, please take a listen to this week's sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this episode, Matt Kelly and I take a deep dive into the recent Facebook settlement with the Federal Trade Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission. We also take a look at the Department of Justice, which has opened up an antitrust investigation into Facebook. We take a deep dive into the issues around the SEC settlement, as well as those with the FTC settlement. Matt and I have a bit of a disagreement on which way it should go. But also, we take an exploration into the possible implications of a antitrust and a monopoly and a competition investigation, not only from this administration, but what it might mean for administrations going forward, particularly those that are less business friendly than the Trump administration. It's a fascinating exploration of a case that's literally on the lips of almost every compliance practitioner around. I know you will enjoy it. We enjoyed bringing it to you. Thanks so much for listening. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and now a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, along with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, back yet for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Uh, Today, we are going to take up the recent Facebook FTC settlement of $5 billion plus with a lovely pile-on from the Securities and Exchange Commission for a paltry $100 million. So, Matt, with that set up, what are your thoughts? Hey, Tom. Uh, Well, I have to admit, um, I am somewhat cynical and uh, about the discussion of Facebook settlement so far. And I think for compliance officers, what we have already talked about with the SEC settlement and the FTC settlement are just one thin layer of the onion that is actually in front of us. And compliance officers have much bigger issues to look at as we try and figure out what does all of this mean for the corporate community as a whole. So I can start, I guess maybe my first bone of contention is this SEC settlement for $100 million, uh, where I, if you want, if I have permission to request permission to dive into that, I'm more than happy to take that to task. Let's start with the SEC settlement, because uh, in many ways, I found that, if not more interesting at least equally interesting. Uh, Kevin LaCroix and some others have written about it, and I'm eager to hear your uh, thoughts on it. Well, so I, I guess my big beef is that I have heard some people say that the SEC settlement, where they dinged Facebook $100 million because Facebook said in its risk disclosures that it may face potential problem from hypothetical breaches when they already knew that they had this breach. This was not a hypothetical thing. This is a real thing. Um, people have said that, that that you know kind of set a precedent for this sort of disclosure, and that is not accurate. 
This is not the first time the SEC has dinged a company on this. And we should remember that in 2018, Facebook, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the SEC fined Yahoo, or actually the successor company that was left over after it sold most of Yahoo, uh, called Altaba. The SEC fined Altaba $35 million for essentially the same sort of disclosure failure. Yahoo had experienced a massive breach in 2014. They knew right away this was a big deal. This was a material event. We're trying to sell the company. This is going to affect the price. This is a mess. And they knew it within days of the breach. And they did not disclose anything for the next two years except to say it is a hypothetical possibility that we might have a breach that might have some sort of material effect on us. The Pretty much the same sort of offense that Facebook was dinged for last week for $100 million. Now, what sticks in my mind is that um, the SEC had fined Yahoo $35 million when it had only roughly $5.1 billion in annual revenue. Now, Facebook is roughly 11 times larger than Yahoo was, and Facebook has only three times the fine. So there is a disconnect there, or at least, you know, these fines are not in proportion to the size of the business. So if my first beef is trying to figure out, well, what does that mean, if anything? Because in my opinion, uh, the decline in Facebook stock when that news about its Cambridge Analytica breach, like that was much bigger and more severe than anything that Yahoo had experienced, because Yahoo is already known as kind of a mess. And uh, when Yahoo... ultimately disclosed its breach and had to renegotiate its purchase price. It was like a 7% discount. You know, Facebook suffered a much larger wipeout of its market cap. It's regained it all back, but it was a much more material effect to investors when Facebook had its news. And you could argue substantively what Facebook did with Cambridge Analytica was far more damaging to the world at large than Yahoo exposing a bunch of people's email passwords. Um, So, why do we have this disconnect between a $35 million fine one year and 12 months later, a $100 million fine for a much larger company that had much bigger misconduct with a much bigger effect? And I don't know. And I'm also a little bit confused as to if we want to hold executives personally responsible for misconduct, and we don't want to impose large fines upon a company because that only harms the shareholders, which is what Jay Clayton, the SEC chairman, he likes to say that often. Then why a corporate fine against Facebook and why not some sort of personal fine against Mark Zuckerberg? It's not like he couldn't afford $100 million. Um, so I've got a lot of questions there about what is the logic to this enforcement action versus a very similar enforcement action we saw, like I think, about 12, 15 months ago. And uh, they're you know, considerably different outcomes for essentially the same sort of misconduct. So that's that's a big thing I have with the SEC. So uh, I guess uh, your uh, <clears throat> lack of clarity or opaqueness into the SEC fine really is something that I see with the FTC fine. But I think you're spot on in terms of I, I've read I read Yahoo extensively. I read Facebook as well. And I really have no idea how they derived at that figure. Yes. And I'm willing to bet there are other companies out there that are in a similar predicament as Yahoo and Facebook and many others who have somehow experienced a breach and maybe haven't disclosed it yet. And you know who you are. 
But if we are looking for consistency and clarity, we don't have it yet from these two enforcement actions. Um, that is my first bone of contention. Now, I, I have a bigger bone of contention with the FTC settlement, if you want to dive into that. You bet. So I thought um, all this did was punish Facebook for its prior misdeeds and make Facebook promise to be more careful in the future. But the FTC settlement did not actually change anything that Facebook is allowed to do. And I loved one tweet from a guy named Alex Stamos, who is Facebook's former head of IT security, who resigned over this Cambridge Analytica, Russia collusion, Facebook data mess. Uh, he wanted much more disclosure and Facebook's lawyers said no. And so he left. Now he put out a tweet on the day of that FTC settlement that said, and this is a quote, Facebook paid the FTC $5 billion for a letter that says, you never again have to create mechanisms that could facilitate competition. And he's right. And a $5 billion fine, if that's what you get in return, is pretty much a bargain for a company the size of Facebook. And I get everybody who is saying that, okay, yes, but this settlement makes the price of privacy compliance go up. And I saw that several times. The price of privacy compliance just went up. While that is true, if your ability to make even larger gobs of money remains unchecked, which is exactly what this FTC settlement allows Facebook to do, then who cares? Because if the prices of privacy compliance is going up, but your ability to pay it off is going up even faster, I don't know that that's really much of a deterrent for future misconduct. It's more like it's just the cost of business going up. And that is very, very similar to the cynical complaint people say about FCPA compliance. Um, and now the FTC has reestablished that precedent for privacy compliance. I mean, because really, what's the consequence if Facebook screws it up in 2020 or 2021? They pay another $5 billion or another $10 billion. Um, Okay, big deal. They can afford it. And it's not like they're going to do less that would make the uh, penalty or the sting of noncompliance a bigger threat. If you really wanted to prevent future misconduct, which I thought was what regulation is supposed to be aiming for, then you need to curb Facebook's ability to make gobs of money. And that's not what the FTC settlement has done. And that brings us to my third big thing, which is the Justice Department's FT, um, antitrust probe of online platforms generally, which they announced, I think, two days before the FTC settlement. And Facebook right away said, oh, yeah, we're under investigation for antitrust by the Justice Department, too. Now, that's different, and that is a lot of potentially big implications. But before I get into that, like that's my knockdown on the FTC settlement. It's a $5 billion slap on the wrist. And for Facebook, like that slap stings, but you know, it's not going to cut off their arm because they can afford it. So I guess um, what I saw from the ST FTC was a lot of confusion, obviously a three to two vote split on Republicans and Democrats um, that – I never got the sense that the FTC and most particularly the commission itself really had a handle on which way they wanted to go and indeed what parameters to put on uh, Facebook. I know there were uh, suggestions from the staff 
and certainly commentators uh, such as yourself have, have pointed out uh, different directions the FTC could have gone. But I guess I felt like the F- FTC was really charting it new territory for itself. It seems to have lost its institutional history um, when it actually did regulate, and that this is going to be the first case and uh, Facebook did get a huge break, actually, from being the first case, and that as yeah, that's uh, very possible. More of these cases come down the road. I think the FC, FTC will refine its approach, uh, particularly if they see some of the concerns you've raised uh, continue to come to light. Uh, the other thing, though, you 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 opened up with uh, before you went into the SEC, which was the the drop in stock price, and. Mm-hmm contrasting with what we saw at date of settlement. And uh, I have always maintained that when a settlement's announced, company uh, stock price actually goes up because at least now there's certainty. And uh, that phase of the enforcement action is over, although there may be post-settlement uh, requirements and some cost. It's it's certainly a much more known amount. So I guess I just felt like the FTC is really trying to to find its way here. And not only did it not know how to regulate Facebook, it really had no idea on the uh, uh, amount of of the fine or the um, strictures to put in place going forward. You know, I I have mixed emotions about the actual strictures, because I don't think that uh, any of those strictures are bad ideas. You know, independent privacy committee on the board and uh, a senior executive who is the chief privacy officer, although I have seen reports that already an early candidate for the internal chief privacy officer job at Facebook is going to be a marketing executive. I wonder about that rather than, say, a privacy lawyer. Um but you know all of these efforts to extend the sort of due diligence companies already apply on third parties for anti-corruption. You want to take a lot of those mechanisms now and apply them for privacy. That's a good idea. And I do take the point that the FTC, I don't want to punch them up too much because we are in uncharted territory and we don't know exactly what we should be doing with these companies. But the fact remains that they really only did was slap Facebook around for past misconduct and didn't curb its ability to make gobs of money in the future, which could just pay off any future misconduct. I don't think Mark Zuckerberg is going to go around eager to violate privacy laws in 2020 or any time in the future, but it's probably going to happen at some point. Um, and if it does, like big deal because Facebook makes that much money. Um, What I am very interested in is this broader Justice Department antitrust review of online social media platforms, as they say, or online platforms, because um, Amazon is definitely going to be under the microscope and they're not social media per se, but they're huge. And so is Google. So is Facebook. Um, I would suspect Apple, Twitter and some other online kingpins, they're all going to get swept up in this review. My question is more. A review for what? And it's very difficult to make the argument that there is harm to consumers in terms of financial burdens or higher costs by any of these quasi-monopolies, because there is no cost. Facebook is free. Twitter 
is free. Google is free. Amazon gives me great deals. They're generally cheaper than stuff I can get at the retail place down the street. So if there's no consumer harm, okay, I get it that we could also then try to enforce antitrust along anti-competition, anti-monopoly laws or principles. But that's much closer to what we do in Europe with antitrust enforcement. They don't even call it antitrust. They call it anti-monopoly. How would we apply an anti-monopoly doctrine here? I don't know the answer to it, but if it really is sort of an unprecedented field, that means we are going to set precedents. And right away, my first thought is whatever precedents the Trump administration does here, imagine, listeners, what would a Democratic administration someday in the future do with those precedents, especially to other industries? Because if you start busting up online social media because it goes against anti-competition and you just don't like that much monopoly power, fine. I could see the Trump administration loving to do that to Facebook and Twitter. But imagine a President Warren or a President Sanders picking up that club and whacking big pharma or health insurance giants because Elizabeth Warren would probably love to do it. And that's where I start to think, okay, the road we're going down is going to have bigger potential consequences for other types of industries. And I don't know where that's going to go, but you can't ignore the fact that a different administration in 18 months could have a very different set of priorities and use what we're doing here now in very different ways that we haven't really thought through. And I would bet the bottom dollar Donald Trump hasn't thought that through. I'm sure he'd love to stick it to Twitter. I'm sure he wants this antitrust investigation to result maybe in these online platforms propping up conservative voices because that is one of his pet peeves. I think that's ridiculous, and I think it's unconstitutional. A private industry, a private business gets to say what it wants, but um, we're playing with a Pandora's box here, and I just I don't trust that the Trump administration has really thought through what are we going to do once we open it. But Tom, that, that I'd love to hear what uh, you think of all that. So I guess um, one on the anti-competition, anti-monopoly front, I, I am not as concerned, uh, perhaps as as you are, because certainly uh, we can go back to a, an example before both of us, Standard Oil. But even in our lifetimes, we had uh, the breakup of AT and T, and we had yeah. uh, Microsoft. So I'm uh, sympathetic to an argument that incorporates some of the concepts that perhaps are a little more prevalent in Europe around dominant players uh, showing uh, some nuance to protect uh, smaller companies. And I'm certainly having studied the breakup of Standard Oil, the breakup of AT&T, and even the settlement with Microsoft. I think we, uh, in each time we unleashed uh, a set of broken up companies that then actually exceeded the total value of the company that they broke away from or were broken up from so that I, I can see additional competition. Um, I have, I really hadn't thought through your last point though, which is, has this administration thought through the implications of what they're doing? Uh, certainly the head of the administration has not. Uh, but that yeah. really brings up the uh, Department of Justice and have they thought through that? And that is a very interesting question because the uh, the very people um, who are uh, at least now uh, opening these investigations would probably be the vo- most vociferous against these under a Democratic administration. And you have the 
what I thought was incredible uh, irony of Steven Mnuchin uh, saying that Amazon had destroyed retail business in the United States. Um, I just thought, wow, Republicans are now uh, against uh, business, uh, at least this administration, exactly. uh, when they happen to own the Washington Post. So you know, um, <laughs> that uh, having that precedent within the Justice Department, though, is is certainly an interesting point. I would say that the head of antitrust at the Justice Department right now, Mahan Delrahim, like I think he is good and thoughtful, and he has put out policy statements in the recent past where he laid out all three cases that you mentioned, Tom, with Standard Oil, AT&T, and Microsoft, uh, where he said, you know, we have precedent to bust up a monopoly just because it's too big. I would point out that um, Standard Oil and AT&T are... I would say substantially different that you know they were jacking up prices, whereas Facebook is giving its product away. Microsoft, I think, is the fact patterns there or the concepts that in play are are similar, much more similar to what we're talking about now than Standard Oil or AT and T. But I mean, still, like this is tricky, and I don't know what the right answer is. I suspect El Rahim doesn't. I suspect antitrust law professors could have a field day over what are the monopolies practices you want to bust up when there isn't really evident financial harm to a consumer because there's no price for the product. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, would Donald Trump use an investigation like this to get political favoritism for his key constituencies? Absolutely, he would do that. He would hold this over Facebook and Twitter until they agree to prop up conservative voices in the blogosphere. Yeah, he would want that. Would Attorney General Bill Barr go along with it because he is a sycophant who sucks up to everything Donald Trump wants? Yes, I think that's true. Um, I think that we have seen that in other investigations the Justice Department is doing, that you know Bill Barr is basically just a defense lawyer for President Trump. Would he then also try and do it with this antitrust investigation? I wouldn't put it past either of those two. I don't know what Del Rahim would do. I'm also open to the idea that this is a legitimate issue, and we don't know what the answers are. But like you said, I the higher up we go in the administration, the less confident I am in the intellectual firepower to handle this well. And could we do something now that might have unintended consequences with a different administration after 2020 or 2024, oh yeah, we absolutely could because I think Elizabeth Warren would love that precedent and she would go after big industries with a hatchet. I don't know if that would be good or bad, but certainly if you're in compliance in big pharma or telecom or banking or health insurance, like you would not want her running around with that hatchet. And this is what we're doing right now is we're carving that hatchet out so we can pick it up as a tool and use it. Like, have we really understood what we're going to do with that tool? And I don't, I don't know that we have. All very interesting. So uh, this is one we're definitely going to uh, follow along, Matt, because I think we're going to be able to really geek out on this one, really in all three areas. I think now that I listen to your uh, discussion of the SEC settlement, we may be in uh, more tangible ground there because of uh, at least the one precedent we both can uh, point to and study even if we think the uh, lessons drawn from it are perhaps uh, not as robust as the uh, SEC could have used them in terms of the amount of the uh, Facebook fine based upon the, the Yahoo fine. Uh, mm. I'm going to be very interested to see what the FTC does going forward 
particularly in the few conditions they've laid upon uh, Facebook in terms of the compliance conditions, the uh, board of directors actually having a much more uh, robust oversight role around uh, privacy. And of course, the the one thing everyone's talking about, which is the, the Zuckerberg certification. Um, and then the the Department of Justice and the antitrust probe, I think is going to be a fascinating exercise for all of us. Yeah, indeed. All right, Matt, uh, till next time. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Matt Kelly has written about the Facebook settlement and some of his concerns, and we'll link to it in the show notes. I hope you'll join us again next week where Matt and I take another deep dive into the weeds of a compliance-related topic. Compliance into the Weeds, the production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.